being loud. Yeah, which can be loud, especially like automatic toilets, right? And you <laughs> go like, into Whoa. the yeah, it flashes, it flashes on you. You're like, I'm getting sucked in. <laughs> I mean, little bottoms. Imagine that. Like you actually feel like you're getting sucked in. That would be scary. Yeah. Um, Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. I'm here today with potty training expert Michelle Sweeney from the Potty School. Michelle is CEO, a speaker, consultant, and teacher. She has written the Complete Guide to Potty Training Your Child, and been featured on KTLA Channel 5 out of Los Angeles, Parenting OC, and MSN. Her expertise is in all forms of potty training, from birth to childhood, and yes, I said birth. She speaks to us today on a variety of topics, including elimination communication, potty training, and potty training the special needs child. So if you're anticipating potty training or in the middle of it, you'll definitely want to hear this. If you know someone who could benefit by today's podcast, please let them know. Forward the link or give them a call. I'm sure they'll be so grateful to you. So let's head on in and listen now. We're here this morning with Michelle Sweeney, and I am excited about this because she has a topic that is universal for parents. And I don't think there's a parent on this earth that doesn't want their kids to learn how to be potty trained. And she is the expert. She's the absolute expert. So I'm really excited to jump into the interview. And then at the end, we'll share some things that could be available to help you in your process of potty training your child. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Lori. I'm really glad to be here. I am so glad that you're here. So the most common question that I hear is, when do I start potty training my child? And you have a couple of answers to that. It's not just one answer, one time, and obviously all families are different. But what would you say to that parent that asks that? So I would say that if someone is asking that question, most probably they are not interested in elimination communication which I would say is from ages zero to 17 months. That is something I teach. But if someone's asking, when should I potty train my kid? They're probably thinking at least 18 months. And I would say a great window for potty training is really anywhere from maybe 15 months up to two and a half years to start that process. Um, I know there's a lot of pushback over just wait till they're ready, wait until they show signs of readiness. But to be very honest, I am in a situation now where it's the end of the summer and you're hitting toward where preschool's coming and parents that have waited until their kids are ready for literally years, three years, four years, five years, are now having to hit milestones of getting their kids potty trained just to get them into a TK class or a preschool class or a kindergarten class. So there's so much waiting that happens that there's not much progress. So I would say if you're really ready to start from scratch, um, then I would say anywhere between 18 months and two, two and a half years would be the ideal time frame, And that's assuming your child doesn't have any special needs and that you're starting from the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. I'd like to talk about special needs, but we'll do that in, uh, in a few mm-hmm. minutes. But um, so you mentioned elimination communication. What mm-hmm. is that? Did I say that right? You did. Yeah. <laughs> elimination communication. So mm-hmm. for the people in that crowd, they call it EC. 
It's okay. a cool kid name. Okay. We're Sears, right? <laughs> People practice elimination communication. They don't do elimination communication. And it's basically a method of bonding with your child and being able to provide for their physical needs and doing it in a loving way. So instead of training your child to use a diaper for two and a half years and then taking it off and expecting them to just transition to the toilet within three days, which is what a lot of parents do, um, it's a slower process, but it's recognizing your child. And even from literally day one, when they're born, it could be that early um, when they're wow. going. Yeah. So I, so I started with one of mine on day. It was the full 24 hours after she was born. But um, so noticing their signs and cues of when they need to go to the bathroom or for a lot of parents, they're noticing physically when their kid already is going to the bathroom, having a sound association. And then um, having that sound association be identified with their physical need to use the bathroom, so pee or poo. Um, and then having the, that sound association be used when you put the child on the toilet in the future. So if that makes sense. Yeah. So you and it works? have a baby who's pee. Oh my gosh. Yes. 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 It works. Um, it's actually what I use and I incorporate that into special needs potty training because you think that kids with special needs you're expecting them to potty train, which in a lot of people's definition means I can go tell my mom or dad I need to pee before I've already peed. And for a kid that's speech delayed, that's just not going to happen. And it might never happen. Or a child who doesn't have social skills to be able to interrupt a grown-up's conversation, it's never going to happen. So there's a lot of things going on that kind of revert, if you will, to the um, like more simple stages of development. And so if your child is at a three month old stage of brain development and they have cerebral palsy and they're 12 years old, well, you can use elimination communication methods because it works for a three month old. Um, so you don't have to do it hundred percent like that. So special needs is sort of woven together around the child a lot more than just straight potty training or straight elimination communication, but it's kind of how you join it all together. That is so interesting and so good. Mm -hmm. What, I'm just curious, when you said it, what kind of sound do you use? What what would be the sound that would be identified? It's <laughs> a good question. A because, right? <laughs> well, you think like in Spanish, people will say kikiriki for a rooster sound. Like here we say cockadoodle-doo. So in different languages, people will use different sounds. Okay. So in American English for the EC crowd, people will say ps for P, kind of like P-S-S, and then like a grunting, like <clears throat> for poop. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. in theory, it's supposed to sound like the pee coming out and sound like the poo coming out. I don't really think it does. That's great. <laughs> um, How many people ask you that question? <laughs> um, on calls a lot of the time. And then there's a hand sign too. So people okay. will use the T for sign language. And this back and forth means toilet in ASL. So American sign language. And then going or. <clears throat> so those are the sounds that we use in the U.S., but. In Vietnam, where it's pretty normal for kids to potty train, people will use songs. And in Japan, often they use whistles for a long time. So it doesn't really matter what the sound is, as long as it's not a common sound that they're going to hear in other contexts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have heard from some parents that their potty train, their child is potty trained by twelve months. So, oh, yeah. how often do you see that? Um, so. I think that when someone says they're potty trained, they're not probably potty trained per se. I would say that they're done with elimination communication and they're 
mostly toilet independent because no 12 month old is fully wiping their bottoms. Right, <laughs> they poop true. correctly. I mean, you true. have five-year-olds who are developmentally typical who still need help. Um, right. Right. So if they can get themselves to the bathroom, take down their pants, which most 12 month olds can't do on their own. I'd say that's more like a 15, 18 month, two, two year old kind of thing to be capable of doing a hundred percent on their own. Um, then I would say that that would be potty trained, but a 12 month old who can sign or signal or walk to the bathroom and tug on their pants is letting you know, they need to go. You help pull down their pants, maybe take off underwear. They, they have little kid up baby underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, or diaper, and then they sit on the little mini potty and they go on their own. So I would say that's a child who is proficient at using the toilet and the potty, but they're not necessarily quote unquote potty trained because they still need assistance. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That is excellent. And I'm assuming that that is going to help then for the parent who proceeds to potty training in the next few months. Yeah. So they're basically done. It's just their developmental abilities, like their hand dexterity to actually push down their pants and pull up their pants isn't quite there yet. For some kids it is like I had a 13 month old who was pretty close to doing that, but she'd fall over every once in a while when she was pushing down her pants because she would just lose her balance. It was right. like, eh, when you're a foot tall, it's not that big of a deal. So <laughs> you're lower to maybe the more than a foot, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fabulous. Okay. So for the child then that the parent did not do that, didn't know about it, didn't, mm-hmm. uh, didn't do that or just chose not to, mm-hmm. then what is the, the potty training uh, process look like? Right. So that's where you get into a whole bunch of different contexts. You have boot camps, you have three-day methods, you have wait till they're ready, you have child-led. And to be perfectly honest, there's a reason that I have a job and it's because most of those just straight by themselves reading out of a book doesn't work. Um, Parents need a little bit more guidance and support than that. And if you go you know, back a couple generations, you had families that had 16 kids. I think Benjamin Franklin had like, I forget exactly, somewhere between 16 and 22. I think it was 21 or 22 siblings. Um, And I mean, that's just a massive family where you have people who are fully adults having children at the same time that the babies of the same family are babies. So there's always somebody who's potty training and there's always somebody who's attentive to a little one's needs. Mm -hmm. Um, or there's someone who's not attentive and they just happen to know where the, <laughs> the the little waste bin is and they go and sit on it. So as far as potty training goes, I would say that it would be a process where you're saying, I'm going to start taking off the diaper for the purpose of having the PM poo instead of going in the diaper, go into the toilet. Mm-hmm. And some parents make that a pretty slow process. I am I'm not the biggest fan. Once you hit about 18 months, I don't think there's slow that needs to be involved. I think you just need to kind of start the process and really be willing to see it through. Um, and there are variant variables over that, right? So you can do naps at the same time. You can do nights at the same time. You can do just during daytime hours. So you do all awake hours plus naps and then not nights. Like there's kind of a progression of what you can choose to do all at once. I tend to be sort of black and white and kind of go whole hog, but that's not what all my clients want. So that's not always at all the advice I give. It kind of depends on where people are at. And I mean, you have a host of things, right? Someone just had surgery or a mom has a new baby and she had a C-section. Someone has back issues. You're doing house construction. Like you just moved, you're staying at grandma's house. There's Mm -hmm. so many reasons that are legitimate reasons 
to start and stop or to delay things. But I think that if you're delaying for the point of like waiting until your child's quote unquote ready, unless there's something neurologically going on with them or physically going on with them that makes them different than the average typical kid. I don't think there's really a reason once you hit 18 months to kind of wait um, based on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned about nighttime that some parents may want to just do days. There are some mm-hmm. kids that have, I don't know if it's a physical condition or what, but they just either sleep hard, but they just can't yeah. hold it during the night. Yeah. And rather than be frustrated, it seems like that would be a good option to just let that be until that sort of happens. Uh, or do you have yeah. suggestions for that? I do have suggestions. I, again, I think it depends on the parents because if a parent's willing to give it a go for two nights and then throw in the towel, then it's probably not even worth them trying at all. Mm-hmm. Um, most kids, I would say, have a dry diaper between 12 and 18 months overnight, one time, sort of randomly. And if you can capitalize on that from that moment, and even if you're like, I'm insane, it is way too young, there's no way this child can ever stay dry again. If you're willing to give it a week and try taking off their diaper and pottying them before they go to bed, potentially taking them after they go to sleep on your way to bed. So maybe you put them to bed I'm just guessing here, right? You put them to bed at eight and then you take them at 10 and put them back in. Then they're not going from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. They're going from 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. So maybe they can make that amount of time, but they couldn't quite make those extra two hours. Right. Um, so that's an option. As far as um, bedwetting, so there are technical bedwetters. So six years old and up is when you start medically defining bedwetting. Mm-hmm. And about 10% of people have bedwetting issues meaning that you've tried all the tricks and trades. <laughs> like you not, not only does your kid have a wet diaper at night at age six, but you've tried multiple different um, means to try and get them to not have a wet diaper at night. But that means they're wetting their diaper or their bed at least once a week at age six. So again, that's 10%, 10 out of a hundred people. Like that's a lot of kids that are still in that boat, but it's 90% that aren't. And so if you include in that 10%, all of the kids with special needs, which you do, the statistics include those kids, it's really not that high of a percentage. So most kids can, of their own accord, stop the bedwetting during the night because it's technically not bedwetting. It's just they're not fully releasing um, during the day and they're not fully emptying their bladder before they go to sleep. So most of the time, kids are filling up their diapers as they're falling asleep because they just waited for their diaper because mm-hmm. they're used to it. Mm-hmm. So if you can get out of that habit and there's obviously like things you can do about that, but get out of that habit and get into the habit of fully releasing before they go to sleep, then the bedwetting isn't nearly as much of an issue. And if it is, it's closer toward the morning than it is when they're falling asleep. Mm-hmm. Mm, that is oh. so interesting. And sure. I would want to be in the 90% if it's possible. I know, right. <laughs> so um, what about what about the child who is afraid of the toilet or afraid of mm-hmm. pooping? So how do you overcome that fear for them? Yeah, a lot of kids, I would say it's almost nobody who does elimination communication, um, just for starters, because it's totally normalized. It's just part of their routine. It's part of their day. It's not a big deal to introduce the toilet all of a sudden because there is no all of a sudden with someone who's doing EC, because even if they're not doing it hundred percent, 
they're only doing it half the day or they're only doing it on the weekends. There's habitually throughout their life been a toilet that they were expected to sit on. And that was the norm. So I think the biggest thing with the toileting fear is that it's not normal. It's not part of their typical routine. Mm-hmm. And for some kids, they hit age four and I'm not joking about age four and they've seriously never been in a bathroom before other mm-hmm. than maybe to bathe or shower. Mm-hmm. Um, they've never sat on the toilet. Often they're washing their hands in the kitchen. So like, it's just t- everything about it is foreign to them. Maybe they've never gone in the bathroom that you all of a sudden expect them to poop in. And you're like, what? But it's like, oh yeah, I've been changing their diaper on a changing table seriously for four years. Mm-hmm. So of course this is going to be new and different. Mm-hmm. And if your child is used to standing up pooping, which is really typical for a lot of kids with special needs, especially autism, like the gravity and then the, there's a whole bunch of things as far as like how much they feel what's going on inside their own bodies and nerve endings and things. But um, transitioning from standing up to sitting down can be a big thing. So it's not all just straight the toilet. Sometimes it can be sensory overload. Sometimes it's just the change that happened really quickly. But I think the things that make it the most easy of a transition is having parents just like be there the whole time. So instead of saying, you go sit on the toilet for five minutes, which I'm not assuming you did, um, but (laughs) sending them away, basically, it can happen often when kids, when families have another younger kid, like so mom's taking care of baby and they say, oh no, you need to go potty. Like this child who was recently potty trained, go to the bathroom. Well, you basically just sent them to time out. You're giving love and attention to the little baby oh. and you just kicked older kid out of the room to go sit on a toilet by themselves. No kid wants to do that. Right. So it might not be fear of the toilet. I, I think that, I feel like a lot of my clients use the word trauma really um, freely. And I don't use that very freely because I feel like trauma is, a gigantic, huge word with a lot of things. I mean, we're talking about kids who are like sodomized or raped and things like that. Like that is trauma. So we start using that about being afraid of sitting on the toilet. Like that's not the same thing. No, it isn't the same thing. (laughs) Um, Sometimes it's just the flush, just the noise being loud. Yeah. Which can be loud, especially like automatic toilets. Right. And you (laughs) go into the, yeah, it flashes flashes on you. You're like, I'm getting sucked in. I need little bottoms. Imagine that. Like you actually feel like you're getting sucked in. That would be scary. Yeah. Um, but you can do stuff like putting a post-it over top of the automatic sensor or turning your kid around backwards. So at least they know what's happening instead of being Mm -hmm. fully surprised by it all. Uh, Michelle, do you think that this should be a one person job or the whole family should be involved? Do you think the child would be more comfortable with one person or the whole family? And what if the whole family isn't supportive? Right. I think it depends on what your living situation is. So when we're talking about the whole family, I think I'm interpreting that as the whole family that you're living with. Yes. So if you live with two parents, you live with say a mom and a dad, then if both of them are on board, yes, go for it. If you have a caregiver that's home more than the other one, I think it's reasonable for the caregiver that's home more than the other one to put more effort into it, um, at least more time into it. The ideal is that both of you are on the same page. Mm -hmm. I think that it's few and far between really argumentative co-parents who really don't think that their kids should be potty trained and the other one really thinks that they should. Um, I, I think that most parents who are, you know, trying to raise a child together are wanting to be sympathetic to the other person's point of view, at least to some degree. 
Um, so even if it's a push three months this way, three months that way, like feel free to come to a compromise over it. Mm-hmm. But where you get into it is where maybe a mom's home with her kiddo every single day um, and has been trying to potty train for two years. And then dad comes in at age four and says, let's get this done now. This is what you should be doing. And so then I jump on calls with families like that. It's like, wow, there's a lot going on here. Right. <laughs> you guys are arguing on the phone with me currently. And I have a strange feeling your four-year-old's hiding behind the couch pooping. So if this happens regularly, you can't imagine it's very conducive to actually getting pee and poo in the toilet. So I would say getting on the same page as the person you're co-parenting with is really important. And that can be, I I use that term kind of loosely because to me, if you send your kid to daycare for five hours a day, like that's a co-parent, you're entrusting parenting skills to that daycare or to grandma or to a church, you know, program or something like that. Even if it's for a couple hours at a time, like you guys all need to be on the same page. Um, or you need to be willing to play by their rules when you drop them off there, especially if it's a volunteer or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I had a little one, she was done, 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 done with diapers by 13 months, but nobody could fathom that because she was really tiny when she was born. And so at 13 months, she hardly looked like she could crawl. And yet she could like walk across the room, do her little sign and point to the toilet. And people thought I was insane. I'm like, no, just please just put her on the toilet. Like, don't change her diaper. But, you know, when you're, again, when you're with volunteers, I was like, either I have to find a volunteer who doesn't think I'm insane, (laughs) or I just need to be okay with her being in diapers. Or you talk to them and say, no, really, my child is 100% potty trained. Can we move them to the next class? Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes people will be sympathetic to this cause. Sometimes they won't. It's always interesting to me to see how many um, changes to the rules will be made for kids that are delayed on things. But when kids are really advanced on something that it makes people a little bit more uncomfortable to move them forward. Um, So it's, it's interesting with pottying. I'm like, this shouldn't be such a huge thing. I'm fine with a one-year-old being with three-year-olds if it's totally based on potty training. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, Oh, it's not age appropriate. I don't really care about age appropriate things. I want my kids to be in classes with other (laughs) aged kids and learn different. So basically trying to get a caregiver on board um, in any context is important. So you're using the same words, you're using the same kind of rhythms throughout the day of like, oh, we take them after snack time, not before snack time. Um, Clearly if your child asks you, but if you're just starting out and trying to have a set rhythm. That concludes our first half of this discussion with Michelle Sweeney. I hope you're enjoying it. Michelle will return next week to finish the conversation where she will talk about some things parents are doing that are not effective and those times you think that you need to put the diaper back on, a frustrated mom or dad, and of course she's going to come back to that very special, special, special needs child. I hope you'll spread the word to others that you think would be helped by these two podcasts. And I'd love to hear you talk to me about what you would like to hear in the future about parenting. My email address is laurie at kidsstrengthforlife.com. And the spelling is in the show notes. And you can also link to it there. So we'll see you back next week. And remember, rest in the Lord this week. (music) 